You're listening to the Social Spectrum Podcast with Gina Galliotto. Here we prove that success on social media and in entrepreneurship is not one size fits all and discuss thriving online through the lens of different personality types, lifestyles, and neurodiversity. Success lives on a spectrum, so your impossible search for the one right way to grow your online business ends here. On the Social Spectrum Podcast, we'll unfold your right way instead. Let's dive in. So I finally hired my first two freelancers this year. And the first one was my podcast manager. And the second one is like a part-time virtual assistant. So Jill and Angie are my new hires. And if you're listening, you may have seen on my stories that I was terrified to outsource. (laughs) It was like something I talked about on stories consistently. And I was like, I know I need to do it, but like I can't. And it was a few different things holding me back. And in hindsight... I've been able to pinpoint what those were. Number one, discomfort of like losing control in my business. Number two, the fear of having someone like dependent on my business, their income, whether it's a small amount of their income or a larger amount of their income. And then number three, guilt. Like that one took me a while to figure out, but I felt a little bit guilty for not having like a direct hand in every single part of what was shared with my community too, if that makes sense. And so, I know I'm not alone in these feelings and that outsourcing is hard for multiple people. So today I have Michelle with us and she's Michelle of at Micromarketer on Instagram and TikTok, who's here to make outsourcing much, much less scary for us. So hello, Michelle. Hello. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I love the podcast. I love what you're doing. Of course. This conversation's been on my mind for a while, so I'm glad to have you here. It's something, like I said at the very beginning, that took me a long time to realize that it would better my business instead of feeling like an additional hardship that I had to do, essentially. It's just about navigating it properly. So before we dive into that conversation of how to navigate it properly, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and how you got started doing it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've been kind of in the marketing realm for a while, and I've dabbled in a lot of different areas from social media marketing to email marketing to you know paid ads. And I have kind of since clawed my way through the industry to become a marketing director for a couple different businesses, which is so fun. I absolutely love it. One of the things I found is I kept being approached by people asking me to be their marketing director or, you know, do you have a a whole team who can do all these kind of things? I never set out to be a marketing agency. I never wanted to be a marketing agency. And of course, I can't replicate myself. You can't become an agency of one. Right. So I realized that what people actually need is they need help. And there's lots of qualified people out there who can help them with their marketing. They just don't know where to find it, how to find it, and how to prepare their business in order to receive that help. So that's what I get to do now is I help prepare the businesses to receive the marketing help that they need. And then we go out and we're actually finding that specialist marketer that they need. Okay. So it's different than hiring like a full-time employee. This would be like a more of a project basis. And so that it feels a little more attainable. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Oftentimes it's actually not even project-based. These are often long-term freelancers that they're hiring. But for whatever reason, the business or the solopreneur doesn't want a actual in-house employee. 
And they, they themselves don't want a full service agency either because they can't afford it or because it feels a little bit too impersonal. So I often say that the marketing world is built with contractors. I would say that more so than any other industry these days, there are more freelancers in the marketing field than anywhere else. And there's so much talent out there. So there's no need for you to try to like piece together a full-time employee position when what you can do is figure out, okay, I really just need five hours of this specialty and then you can go out and find that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because like if I think about the people and the connections I've made in the industry, they're definitely all contractors and freelancers. So yeah, it's it just goes to show how much opportunity there is out there too because all of them are succeeding and there's room for everybody. But I know it's super yeah. intimidating to start out, like, you know, obviously, which is kind of a big chunk of this conversation. And I know that a lot of listeners right now are probably or possibly still working their nine to six alongside working towards their entrepreneurial or content creator dreams or their small business, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And that's whenever I like when I was in that situation, I felt like I was low enough on time where I needed to outsource, but I didn't feel like I was ready for like a full on employee or anything even close to that. So that being said, like, what would you say are the best ways to make social media more manageable or marketing even more manageable by outsourcing maybe even just like a couple of hours per week? Yeah. Yep. That's honestly always my recommendation, especially mm-hmm. for people who are feeling a little nervous or, you know, their budgets are a little tight. You will be shocked at how freeing and how easy it is to give up three to five hours a week of something. And most of the time we actually start with VAs. There's such an amazing spectrum of VAs out there right now. And so many of them have a marketing focus. So, so often you can find a really qualified, very affordable VA who has experience managing a CRM or scheduling emails or managing your social media accounts, whatever it is, there's probably a VA out there who's looking exactly for you. They only need an extra three hours a week and they want to work with somebody just like you. So more often than not, I have people who come to me who are like, I just don't have enough hours for somebody. And I'm like, the limit does not exist. (laughs) You can literally outsource one to two hours a week to get started. That's it's so interesting that you ended with that because that was an excuse that I used for a really long time. I was like, who's going to take on this few hours? You know, but if you think about it, like, you know, that's silly because even myself as a freelancer, like, I'm going to, if I'm aligned with the project, I'm going to take it on, whether it's big or small or, you know, whatever. So, yeah, yeah, that, that completely makes sense. And on the other side of it, like I talked about at the beginning, some of it is mindset too. So is there anything that you would say to creators who almost feel just like icky about outsourcing or you put it in good words in our email that like outsourcing is like a bad word or a dirty word? Right. Can you speak more on that? Absolutely. And I think often that comes from that fear, right? Because your business is your baby and it is so deeply, deeply personal. And then on top of that, marketing is deeply personal, right? Because it's the values that you hold dear of how you want to market your business, about how you talk about your business, how the world will then eventually talk about your business. So trusting that to somebody else feels really, really scary. 
So I think that's a big part of it. The other part of it, especially if I'm, you know, working with maybe a little bit more of a traditional business that's like brick and mortar or local, especially if we're talking about an opportunity to outsource with somebody who lives in a different country or, you know, is on a different time zone, they often have a hard time kind of processing that it's not a scam even. Like there's (laughs) still a little bit of this like old world mentality that it's a scam. But, you know, we're so interconnected now and COVID just made it so easy for us to find talent all over the world. So the first thing that we start with and any clients that I work with, this is like a requirement, is that they have to have three things in place before we will ever even start looking for the right freelancer for them. They have to prep their business. Okay. And these three things is what's going to help them overcome that fear of turning over their business to somebody else. So in kind of short summary, it's a brand guideline, which is not just your logo and your colors, by the way. (laughs) There's so many parts that go into that, like your customer service values, your tone. Can somebody have grammar mistakes? Can they swear? Can they use emojis? What's your mission and your values? It's all of those kind of things. Then the second part of that is a really dialed in standard operating procedures library. Of course, obviously only for the job that you're hiring for. But if you're, you know, doing emails in this platform and SMS messages in another platform, they need to know what all of those things are and how you prefer to do things. So we ask all those hard questions to help the clients figure out what that SOP library needs to look like. And then finally, the third component is an onboarding schedule, which is something that I find most people totally don't do. Like sometimes they have one, sometimes they have two. Most of the times they don't have three. And this is where uh, the best freelancer in the world cannot overcome bad onboarding. So if we have those three things in place, then we're going to be setting ourselves up so much more for success. That's super valuable. It because it took me a lot of trial and error to actually learn that. So I'm so glad that you went into detail with those three points because my virtual assistant, she's amazing, fortunately. And so she's so flexible with me, but not exactly knowing how the procedures were going to be before going into it was a little bit trickier to navigate. I wish I did have something more set in stone. In my head, I was like, we'll navigate it together, you know, and we'll figure it out. And, you know, after a few trials, we'll know for sure. But ultimately, it would have been a lot more streamlined if I went into it more clear headed. And of course, that happens, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you need to be nimble, and things are going to change. And honestly, sometimes the the people that you hire are going to come to you with a better idea. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's something to consider. But we ask, you know, we've, we've been inside of a lot of different platforms. I understand a lot of the different operational sides of marketing. So we just ask some questions that maybe people haven't thought of before that kind of helps them prep as much as possible. Yeah, that makes sense. That really does. And now like now thinking about it, I'm like, I'm going to go type up (laughs) all of these things because I like we've learned our systems now, but it would be really nice to have it, like you said, just kind of like clearly stated, typed up somewhere to access. So that's really awesome. And once I, I mean... Even so, even going into it like messily and imperfectly, I once I did finally take that leap and outsource something, even just like the first thing, that's whenever kind of new struggles did come up with deciding which 
like which tasks or which exact job should I outsource and what would be most efficient and reasonable to outsource. And so Mm -hmm. eventually all of those things, again, become like further excuses and kind of like imposter syndrome to the max type of stuff. So is there any, if you can think of them, are there any like top three jobs that any business that you can think of can probably outsource right now? Yeah, absolutely. I would say kind of what I mentioned before, a VA is pretty much right for everyone. Mm -hmm. And even if you aren't like a super admin heavy business, you can often find a VA who can do little parts of things for you. Like the very first thing I personally ever outsourced was the engagement inside of my social media account. So I was still posting. I was still having conversations with people in the DMs. But I had my very first VA, like, you know, at least once a day, find a great account to share to our stories, Okay, respond to people, like support people, right? So like all these really wonderful things that I wanted to be doing, but it always gets pushed to the last task of the day, I was letting her do inside of my social media account. So a VA who can kind of also help you in your social media accounts, I think is one of the easiest places for people to start. The other one is your graphic design. Unless you yourself are actually a graphic designer, please stop trying to make your logos in Canva. (laughs) And like, and I, I, I am 100% guilty. I I wish I could dig up my old, my original logo. It's horrific, (laughs) but like you can outsource that as a project and it doesn't, you don't even have to bring somebody on for a full-time long, long long-term thing, but there's lots of graphic design things that can and should be outsourced. And then finally, the third one I would say is if you are trying to run ads in any capacity, you often end up wasting a lot of money, more money than you would if you hired somebody to do this for you. So this probably doesn't apply to everyone because not everybody runs ads. But if you are going to want to run your own ads, I would strongly suggest not trying to do that yourself and really look to an expert to do it. There's a lot of other things you can kind of fudge and learn as you go, but you can end up wasting a lot of money on media buying if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Sometimes it just makes more sense. Like I know that's such a simple (laughs) statement, but like for me, my, my sales, my engagement, even just my DMs, like things started increasing and proving whenever I had some work taken off of my shoulders and so that investment ultimately is making me way more money than like than it's costing me essentially. Yeah. And yeah. so it, again, that's one of those things that you don't really believe it until you do it. Or at least for me, I was like, it was a mindset thing. But but it is. It's so true. And another benefit of outsourcing that you mentioned that we chatted about through email is that business owners also kind of suck at their own marketing, like along the lines of what you were saying about graphic design. Like it's just you know not everyone. Either you're too close to it or it's just not your expertise, whatever it is. And I thought that was so relatable because I often, for example, I come up with these great ideas that I love for my clients and I'm just like so inspired. And then I'm like, why can't I get these caliber of ideas and inspirations for my own business sometimes? And so I just, yeah, I thought that was so funny, so true. So why do you think that business owners just sometimes aren't the best to do their own marketing in their business. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a couple of reasons. The first and the most obvious one is it's not their zone of genius, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're an amazing artist who sells these beautiful things on Etsy, 
that's your zone of genius. And that's what you should be focusing on. It's probably not marketing strategy and sales (laughs) conversions and funnel buildings, right? Like you might not even know what that is. So instead of trying to spend your time buying another course and teaching yourself how to do it, there's people out there who can do it 10 times faster and 10 times better than you'll ever be able to do. So that's the first part of it. But the second part is that kind of age old adage, the cobbler's kids have no shoes, right? At the end of the day, you're exhausted. And especially if you're a service-based business, if you're a coach or a consultant, you're so tired because you've been working on somebody else's business all day. And so the thought of contributing to your own business and doing the work on your website or writing that email or coming up with a great design it just doesn't happen. It gets pushed and pushed and pushed because you're so focused on doing the work that's bringing in money right now immediately that it's hard to have that long-term focus to think about, well, I should be prioritizing my own business, but it's just something that so many of us just push to the side and it doesn't happen. Yeah. That's actually, I, cause I was thinking of it kind of from a different perspective originally for myself, but that's really true about also your mental energy. Like if I'm giving my mental energy to my clients for ideas, even as someone who is semi in the marketing world and definitely the social media world, for me, it's like I'm giving away that mental energy a little bit. And so it's harder for to turn around and apply it to myself. And that's why I do have my own coaches and my own mentors. And I apply, invest in things for myself too, because it's just like, at the end of the day, it's like impossible to do it on your own and to actually break through different levels. Whenever it was my breaking point for me where I was like, I need to start outsourcing is whenever I was just like, I can't see myself getting to the next level with where I'm at right now. You know? Yeah. It was like everything exactly. I was doing throughout the day was maintaining my business, but nothing I was doing was like it, just pushing it forward or excelling it at all. So that was really the breaking point for me. And at the end of the day, like speaking of energy, one thing that I really underestimated before outsourcing is the impact that having even just the tiniest amount of extra time per week on my hands could do for me. And it's not yeah. just about the actual tangible time on the clock. It is about the now like rejuvenated energy that you have and the space that you have even to be more creative or just to do more high level things. And so just before I, like before I, um, what's the word for it? Oh, outsource, like we're talking about a million times to my <laughs> podcast manager and my virtual assistant, I outsource things like grocery shopping and like house cleaning and yes. things like that. And so even when I did those things, it helped my business. And that was another thing that made me realize, okay, I can do this. Like I can outsource more things for my actual business and it will be only a benefit to me. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And I mean, imagine the peace that you have taking a day off and knowing that things are still happening, right? Like we talk about passive income and like products that can be passive income. And that's, that's a part of it. That's a factor. But another side of passive income that we don't talk about is when we have team members who are walking alongside of us, who are helping to keep that momentum going when we are sick or our family member needs us, or we're going on vacation, whatever it is. I can't tell you how amazing it was. I just got back from a week vacation and I knew that things were still happening because my you know, team members were still taking care of things. So it's a really wonderful gift that you can give to yourself as a business owner. Mm-hmm. 
And it's, it's funny that you said that because the first experience I had with that was also on a vacation recently. And I'm still, you know, my virtual assistant is only six hours per week right now. And then my podcast manager, she does do a lot of heavy lifting or heavy lifting for the podcast. So shout out to Jill. <laughs> but <laughs> while I was on vacation, even though not the absolute entirety of my business was running 100%, the like what I call CEO tasks or like the really energy draining tasks for me that move my business forward were being handled. And the rest was optional. It was like cherry on top work that I could do to help, but like wasn't fully necessary. So yeah, it is really powerful. Yeah, for sure. So can you, along those lines, can you share just a little bit about like specifically what the power of having like five extra hours per week could do for an entrepreneur, just so that listeners can kind of visualize it for themselves? Sure. I love that question. I think, you know, first of all, just figuring out what is that time of day where your zone of genius is shining the most. For me, it's at 5 a.m. with my hot cup of coffee, but figure out what that time is and then take an hour during that time zone and make a commitment to yourself to spend that hour doing the CEO tasks, right? The things that you just mentioned, those things that only you can do. And sometimes it's just brainstorming. Sometimes it's getting out a paper and a pencil and forecasting a vision for the next quarter or a five-year goal. Sometimes it's typing out that new lead magnet that you've been thinking about the content for forever. Sometimes it's reviewing you know, a competitor's website to get some ideas and some inspiration, but just spend one hour a day during those, you know, that five hour a week doing big picture things and resist at all urges at all, (laughs) as much as you possibly can resist doing anything admin, resist doing anything that is not big vision and see what you get. I think you're going to be very pleasantly surprised that after, you know, only a couple of weeks of doing this exercise, you will have come up with some amazing ideas. You will have finally had time to enjoy the business that you spent all this time and resources building. That's the sad part of entrepreneurship is we often build it with this vision in mind. And then we never allow ourselves to realize that vision or that dream. So give yourself the gift of spending an hour a day doing these big CEO vision, dream casting things. And, you know, I think you're going to be very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, that's really underestimated. And actually, it's like making me think about the way I'm structuring the time that I have now, (laughs) because it is the ideation side of it and getting yourself inspired is what fuels the rest, like the tangible action. And so sometimes I'm like focusing too much on probably the details when I should be a little bit zooming out and being more visionary. And it also does kind of go to show if you outsource and then you don't use the time that you have back, like either to fuel yourself, like taking time off or to fuel your business, then it's not going to do as much for you. So it is also about managing your own time while outsourcing, which is interesting to think about. Yeah. There's some self-discipline there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm curious to know whenever you started your business, were you, what was the first thing that you outsourced? The first thing I outsourced was social media engagement. So okay. she was just oh, doing that's right. 
like three hours, I think a week of Mm -hmm. just like responding to people's comments and liking their posts and sharing their stories. And there was a while there months really that I didn't post at all. I posted nothing to my feed. I was so creatively drained and I had incredibly slow growth, but I was still growing. It wasn't negative. I was still gaining new eyeballs on those social media accounts simply because she was active. She was feeding the algorithm gods, right? Which we all know is an important part. But the second part of it is she was interacting with real people and supporting them and walking alongside of them. And Mm -hmm. so I gained not only followers, but I actually gained, have gained clients from people that she has just found and reached out to and built these great relationships with. Yeah. That's amazing. So on the other side of that, is there any you know, you don't have to get too specific, but is there any like outsourcing project or anything or even a hire that you maybe regretted or that you felt like you made a mistake going into? Mm, That's a great question because I spend so much of my time helping other businesses outsource. Mm -hmm. We take that obviously very seriously. So we have a risk-free guarantee that if within the first three months, if it's just not a good fit, it's not working out, they don't like them, we will find them somebody new. So we spend a ton of time in that prep period, not only preparing their business, but also to find out who's your ideal candidate. What are the soft skills that you want to hire for building that hiring profile that we have yet to have to honor that three month risk-free guarantee. So I myself have never had anybody that has been a regret or somebody that it didn't work out. The beauty of hiring a freelancer and a contractor is that it's pretty easy to pivot, right? It's pretty easy for you to be like, you know what? We're not generating enough revenue from this marketing channel that we hired you to do. Unfortunately, you know, our contract is going to end at the end of the month and it's just a part of the business. And so it's not like you're having to detach from this really deeply personal employee relationship. It's actually quite a bit easier to pivot when you build a marketing team like this. Right. And so speaking of, I I know you just mentioned it, but for those listening who don't know, Michelle does have like a network of marketing freelancers that she and also a network of businesses that she connects. And so Having experience on both sides, the freelancer too, who's trying to get hired, would you have any advice for any freelancers we might have who are listening, maybe mistakes they're making and trying to get hired, things they can do? Oh, I have I have so much advice. <laughs> I think all the time about like maybe I should be putting out some kind of, you know, help resource mm. for the freelancers. But I the the number one thing is just spend five extra minutes on your proposal to personalize it. That's all it takes is five minutes to research that business just a little bit. See if you can read the latest blog post. See if you can find some ads in the ad library. Read up on their offer a little bit. And if you can customize your proposal just a little bit, I promise you, you will stand out above 95% of the other proposals. Most of the time, I never encourage people to do cold pitching. I think we're living in a day and age where you have to make connections first. But if you are even doing cold pitching, spend that extra five minutes because pretty much if I'm cold pitched by somebody who like they copied and pasted from the last person Mm -hmm. and they've included that person's name instead of like just changing the name in the pitch (laughs) to me. 
I'm probably never going to reach out to that person again. Whereas if they'd spent a little bit of extra time customizing it, when I say to people, I'm not hiring for that position right now, but I will keep your contact info handy. I mean it. And I have a file that my VA puts it away in and we pull back out to that file. So you never know. It might not get you the job right now, but it could get you the job down the road. So spending a tiny bit of extra time to make sure that you're customizing your proposal will go a long way. And then to kind of walk alongside of that, please stop sending your entire portfolio. I promise (laughs) you that the hiring manager does not have the time to look through all 50 of the email samples that you included Mm -hmm. or to click into all 100 of the websites you've ever designed. Pull out your top three that relate to the job that you're trying to get and send those because they're so much more likely to click on three easy links than to wade through your entire Google Drive portfolio. Right. Yep. Those are, that's <laughs> such gold because there's so many, there's a couple examples that I feel like parallel perfectly. Number one was being when you reached out for the podcast, your personalization of the message, I loved it. Like I was like immediately, yes. And then how easy <laughs> it was to find your contact information and the fact that you were following me and supporting my content. That's the part that I feel like a lot of people, like you said, it. even if you're not, even if you are having a cold pitch to somebody, going those few seconds to make sure you're following them at least or have supported their content in the past, things like that it goes above and beyond. And it's one of the huge reasons why I was like, absolutely, we are going to have this conversation. And then another parallel is, even though it's quite different, but pitching yourself for UGC, even though it's like a different world or brand collaborations, same exact thing. People really want these days to have a template that they can just change out the brand name and send it to 100 brands and it doesn't work. And what Mm -hmm. actually works is exactly what we were talking about, which is, again, going those few extra miles to make your email really shine and be very personalized and to make sure you've been supporting them beforehand. Like it's not always going to be an overnight thing to warm them up. And I think that's really overlooked. I, yeah, 100%. I, you know, have the distinct advantage of being on the opposite side of that. I'm the marketing director for all of Shalene Johnson's brands. And so Mm -hmm. she's a big name, right? right? And so we get pitched all the time. And most of the time it's a no, but every once in a while, somebody sneaks in with something unique and different and it at least gets read and at least gets a response. So like even just being a little bit different is going to potentially help you stand out among hundreds, if not thousands of people who are vying for the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it it really makes all the difference. I think People think that it's going to save them time to do the shortcut thing and send out mass emails or pitches and things like that whenever I think in reality it's going to save you a lot of time to be detailed and specific because you're going to get an actual return <laughs> for your efforts. Exactly. So yeah. it's like, what's the point of doing something quickly if even if, if you're just not going to get anything out of it, you may as well do it right kind of thing. Exactly. I get to talk to a lot of freelancers when I'm interviewing. And my, one of the questions I always ask is like, what are some of the challenges that you face as a freelancer? Mm -hmm. And 95% of the time, the answer is the client churn, like always trying to find new clients. So I get that that's exhausting, but what's 
even better is to find some really good high quality clients that you can hang on to and mm-hmm. have a you know recurring basis with. Mm-hmm. And that's only going to happen if you create a relationship. Yeah, 100%. So it's, it's interesting to hear you bring up the interview about hiring freelancers, because now I am curious if there is there anything else in particular that you might look for in the interview when hiring freelancers that is like, oh, this is a good one. Like this is a green flag right here. Yeah. Oh, I love that question. Obviously, anybody who, again, goes a little bit above and beyond and has actually researched the company that I'm Mm -hmm. hiring for, that's a huge bonus and a huge green flag. I feel like I create as comfortable of an environment as possible. Like I try to be very informal and aware of all sorts of neurodiversities and how people prefer to communicate. We do, you know, we start with written and then we do the interview and then they do a test project. So I try to like see people through all of the different avenues that they might prefer. But when it comes to the actual interview itself, if you can try, especially if you know that you tend to maybe ramble or you have a hard time getting your point across, put a million stickies (laughs) on your laptop with like a few things that you know you want to hit on or even like a visual cue right by your camera that's like, stop talking or, you know, whatever (laughs) it is. That's the beauty of this remote world that we live in is you can make yourself a little bit more comfortable going into these things and give yourselves little reminders and tips and tricks. The person in the, you know, on the other end is going to have no idea. So if you know that you struggle in something, just prepare a little bit extra ahead of time. And I promise you that nine out of 10 of the people who you're ever doing an interview with, they want you to be the one. I think that's the thing that oftentimes as an interviewee, it might feel a little bit antagonistic, but I promise you as an interviewer, I want the first person I interview to be the right one because then I can hire them. Your job's done. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I promise you that they are on your side and they want you to be successful. Yeah, that is a really good way to think of it. it. Viewing yourself as the solution, you know, instead of like as this burden that they have to, this person they have to interview. That's a mindset that took me a long time, a long time to wrap my head around as well, like in all areas. But it is, it's so important once you actually grasp it. It's like all, it's kind of all that confidence that you need because it's such a perspective shift, I guess. I've totally. absolutely loved having this conversation. I this is such a been such a pain point for me and I feel like I remember just wondering at some points if I could if I could even make it like without a fancy full-time team. And you know, like you're mm-hmm. looking at social media and you're seeing all of these people who are talking about all of their six different full-time employees. <laughs> and so yeah. I know that it's just going to bring a lot of comfort for anyone listening. And I have have both freelancers and I have small businesses in here. So I just think it's going to be super beneficial. And for those listening, whether you are a marketer or a marketing freelancer looking for clients, or if you're a business looking to outsource, Michelle can help you hire or get hired. And obviously without all of the overwhelm and without all the stress like we've been talking about. And so I'm going to go ahead and link all of Michelle's resources for you, for you to become a part of her database, for you to find her social media. It's all going to be in the show description. And yeah, is there anything that you would say to listeners, Michelle? Oh, boy. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just have to 
kind of bite the bullet and take your first, you know, your first foray into it. So I promise that not every freelancer that you may hire may be the right one, but if you give yourself the opportunity to set it up wisely and you just take the plunge and give it a try, uh, you're going to have a hard time going back ever because once you get the taste of getting a little bit of help in your business, you're going to become kind of addicted and then you're going to be looking for more and more opportunity to outsource more things, which of course is just going to mean that your business is growing and can support that. Yes, you can seriously, you can say that again, because I've been like, every single week that I've worked with my virtual assistant, I'm looking at my schedule and I'm like, I wonder if she can take on a little more hours, just a little more hours, Uh just a little more hours. Because yeah, again, for anyone listening, who's like, okay, that, you know, that's easy for you to say, but I don't feel like I can have that mindset. I wouldn't be feeling that way. I wouldn't be wanting to continue to add on more and more hours if it wasn't, if it wasn't actually benefiting me. You know, I wouldn't be like, let me pay more hourly for no reason. And so like, it's just, it's not as scary as you think. Yeah, exactly. There's an ROI. It's not even, it's not as permanent as you think. Yeah. And if you really are really scared, then start with a one-time project, you know, Mm -hmm. go on to Upwork and see how it feels to outsource 15 social media graphics. Yes. That's a really good point. Start somewhere. Just see how it feels. And then you let us know if you hire someone. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I think they definitely will. So thank you so much, Michelle. This has been really awesome. I appreciate you. Yeah, it's been really awesome chatting with you. Thank you for anyone who's been listening. As I always say, our DMs are open. We would love to know any feedback you have about this topic in particular, because I feel like there's, I've gotten such a range of feedback from people when I was struggling to outsource. They were like, just do it. And they thought it was so simple. And some were like, oh, I totally get it. So I'm curious to hear (laughs) everyone else's thoughts. Um, It's not simple, but it's simple, I think, to make the decision, right? The process Mm -hmm. to get there, you have to take some time and to do it wisely. But I I think everybody can and should outsource. A hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. And I will catch everybody next week on The Social Spectrum. Bye. Thanks, everybody. If you liked this episode, it would make my day to hear about it. Please don't hesitate to share your thoughts on Instagram and tag me at Gina Galliotto or shoot me a DM letting me know so I can continue sharing episodes you love. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to the Social Spectrum podcast and leave a five-star review so we can stay in each other's worlds. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Until next time, friend.